0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. I am joined today by Dr. Sandra Kaufman, MD. I always enjoy talking to physicians, especially who are interested in longevity. Uh, What's interesting about her is she is still a working anesthesiologist and kind of does this longevity research in her spare time. She wrote a book titled The Kaufman Protocol, why we age and how to stop it. Uh, So just kind of excited to learn about that. Uh, Dr. Kaufman started in cellular biology, has a master's degree in ecology and plant physiology. She got her MD at the University of Maryland. And like I said, she's currently working as a pediatric anesthesiologist. So um, Dr. Kaufman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great Uh, to be here. Yeah. So Let's start by just telling us how in the world you got into this longevity space. I mean, you're a working physician. I mean, obviously you're busy. And so just what what led you into this field?
1: Uh, so to start with, uh, as you mentioned, I do have a master's and it, it, I did study plant cells uh, a very long time ago, but I love the idea of cells at the basic root of biology. And as you look at medicine, um, it's sort of migrated more from cells to organs, but at the basis of everything that we do and all the pathologies we have, it's cells, and I'm just obsessed with cells. So that's sort of what my orientation started. Uh, at the same time, I'm a, I'm a rock climber. I love being outdoors, I climb mountains, I scale the sides of cliffs, and I was hanging out on a cliff roughly in my mid forties. And I thought, you know, unless I do something to figure out why we age, uh, my, 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 uh, my days of hanging off of cliffs are gonna be numbered. So it started out as this ridiculous quest that everyone made absolute fun of me for. Um, but if you take the knowledge that I had of cells, and if you take the knowledge that I have uh, in medicine, as well as, as you said, I'm an anesthesiologist. So we study how drugs affect the body, specific dosing, how things get metabolized, how much you need for what, this, that, and the other. You sort of put all of this stuff together and you can actually figure out why cells age and then how to sort of reverse that pathology. Uh, so it's this sort of growing quest. It started in my mid forties and now I am close to my mid fifties. And I like to think that I have figured a lot of it out.
0: Well, very cool. Well, um, the book is really good because you really get in to the, the science uh, of aging, you know, on a cellular level, as you mentioned. And so let's get into that a little bit, um, maybe not get too deep so that people can can understand it, but still go through the science. And so you kind of talk about the, the tenets of aging. And so I guess what I'd like to do is maybe take each one, have you explain it a little bit, and then maybe how some things we can do to improve that particular aspect uh, of aging. So the first one, you talk about information systems, which is DNA, and you go into epigenetic modification and just DNA damage, telomere integrity. So talk about that, uh, you know, how that uh, applies to aging, and then maybe some things we can do to help with that or slow that down.
1: Sure. Right. So as you, as you said, I've identified seven tenets of aging. I could have probably, you know, divided it out and made some more, but people can remember seven. And since that's sort of like the limit of my brain power, I went with seven. And the first one, as you said, is what I call DNA alterations. Uh, and the first thing we, we, everyone knows is that telomeres, which are the ends of your DNA get shorter over time. And there's a great study and a fantastic group of people won a Nobel prize figuring this out, that the length of your telomeres is proportional to the length of your life. So of course you can have them measured these days. And the reason this is true is that every time your cell divides, a little tiny bit of it sort of gets lost. Or if your cells undergo a lot of oxidative stress, Uh, a little bit of it falls off. So we need to preserve our telomeres as as much as we possibly can. The easiest way is to reduce cellular stress and you can do that through a variety of mechanisms, Uh, but I'm gonna push that off to category two because it falls under the mitochondrial category. There are some agents that we know can help stabilize your telomeres. And so that's kind of important. Australigus can do it. There there are a variety of agents that can do it. The the most expensive one is called 818. In between, you've got TA65. Um, There's there's a variety of them. And the next thing in this category is what we did, we talked about is epigenetic modification. And epigenetics is the study of what happens on top of your DNA. And I know you know this, but maybe your people don't. So regular DNA, of course, looks like like a spiraled stepladder. And then uh, on top of that, there are decorations. Uh, mostly it's methylation. Uh, on your histones, however, you can have methylation, phosphorylation, and acetylation. And the patterns of these sort of add-ons, and in my, my book, I, I diagram them as lollipops because I think it's funny. Um, it just sort of blocks what DNA can get transcribed and then used. And the thing that you need to know about epigenetics is this is the reason that identical twins don't look so identical as you get older right? So if you take the identical genetics, uh, you know, you put them in the same clothes, they look adorable when they're two, three, four, five. By the time you get to be 50, they've had different um, things affecting their lives. They eat differently. They may or may not smoke. They may not not, use alcohol or, or other sorts of things that affects your epigenetics. And so as a consequence, people age differently and they look different. My coolest example about epigenetics and, and what you eat and how you can affect your genes comes from honeybees. If you look at a swarm or a, a cluster of larvae of honeybees, they're all fed the same thing as their larvae. They're fed world jelly, right? As they get bigger, only the one, the queen, continues to be fed royal jelly. The rest of them sort of like get nectar and, and other sort of cheaper stuff. As a consequence, these identically or genetically identical larvae, the queen turns out to be three times the size and has a whole different role in life. And the rest of the worker bees do, do their work and, and they're tiny. So what they were fed as kids determines their epigenetics, which determines their body size, and their lot in life. So what you eat can truly affect your epigenetic pattern. So I think that's really cool.
0: So next you talk about the mitochondria and right. I mean, and anybody that, you know, kind of researches uh, anti-aging, you know, mitochondria, they hear a lot about mitochondrial health and it seems to be kind of the the next big thing, I guess, in anti-aging is mitochondrial health. And so what happens to our mitochondria as we, as we age and and what can we do to improve our mitochondrial health?
1: Okay, great. So one of the simplest things that we can do is by the time you are 40, you are probably uh, deficient in something called nicotinamide you need NAD for your mitochondrial uh, electron transport chain to function. And when you don't have nicotinamide, you don't make as much energy. And other things get affected as well, but this is sort of like the big thing. And as a consequence, the nicotinamide industry right now is booming. Orally, you can take a variety of substances. The biggest ones are nicotinamide riboside or nicotinamide mononucleotide. You can get IV infusions of nicotinamide. Uh, there's just a war raging as to how to get it. You can get patches, you can get nasal spray, you can get all sorts of substances, but the idea is that people are definitively deficient. We know that. And to help your mitochondrial aging, nicotinamide is key.
0: What in particular diminishes our mitochondrial health as we age? I mean, are are there certain things or just aging in and of itself?
1: So excellent question. So the big thing are free radicals, Mm. um, So every time uh, you utilize your electron transport chain, you use oxygen at the end, right? You pass the electrons on via a a pattern of cytochromes and oxygen uh, accepts the last electron. Unfortunately, somewhere between one to 10% of the oxygen gets radicalized. Uh, These free radicals then sort of act as mini tiny little bombs basically blowing up your mitochondria, right? your body is smart and you make free radical scavengers like the superoxide dismutases and the glutathiones, et cetera, et cetera. But as you get older, your body doesn't make that as efficiently anymore. So one of the things that happens is oxidative damage sort of is rampant around your cells and it just destroys your structural integrity as well as the integrity of your mitochondria. So one of the things we wanna do is take free radical scavengers as well as boosting your own endogenous ability to make your own free radical scavengers.
0: And are those things like glutathione? What, what are some of the things we could take? So,
1: so, so glutathione is one of, the free, uh, one of the free radical scavengers that your body makes. And some people like to take glutathione and it's perfectly acceptable. Uh, one of my personal favorites is something called astaxanthin. Uh, it comes from algae. It is completely natural. It is completely harm-free. It is a free radical scavenger unto itself. It embeds in the mitochondrial membrane and sucks up free radicals for about 24 hours, and then you excrete it. And it also uh, causes your body to increase all of its own free radical scavengers. So you get an increase in the superoxide dismutase as well as the glutathione and all of the other necessary enzymes, because just replacing one isn't going to help all of your mitochondria.
0: So what are some things that, that people do that might accelerate the decreased health of mitochondria more than usual? I mean, I'm assuming toxic things like smoking are probably going to accelerate that. I mean, is that true? Or maybe what are some other things that people do that would I- accelerate poor mitochondrial health?
1: That's an excellent question. Um, anything that causes disturbances in the cell is gonna upset your mitochondria. And, and mitochondria are pretty smart. Uh, it, they can determine how much energy you need. Uh, So they keep splitting and making more of themselves, which is unfortunately a huge energy sink, which means that some organs are going to have more energy and some organs are going to have less. Um, And if you're not using them, they sort of fuse. Uh, And if you destroy them, uh, you're going to get there goes something called autophagy of, of organelles and you get to get an accumulation of lipofusion. There's not too, too much you can do to destroy your mitochondria. It's just over the course of time, they don't do so well.
0: Um, so your next tenant is cellular pathways. And, and I definitely have some questions about this uh and and so my listeners have probably heard these terms before although i haven't really spent a lot of time on them things like amp kinase uh sirtuins mTOR they've definitely heard me mention mTOR um i i feel like this is a little bit controversial i just hear different things about mTOR because people in the longevity space will say well gosh just even exercise causes Uh, an uptake of mTOR uh, and, and, you know, they talk about maximizing your protein, which, you know, can increase mTOR, but then there's another camp that says, well, you want to minimize mTOR because you're going to increase your risk of cancer. You want to maximize AMP kinase. So I feel like there's maybe um, a, a balance there. I don't know. So maybe describe first these pathways, if you will, how they pertain to longevity and then, you know, maybe how we can optimize these things.
1: So I usually start with the sirtuins because these are the easiest things, right? When we talk about these pathways, they're genes that then become proteins that travel around your bodies and your cells and they do fantastic things. Unfortunately, over the course of time, your sirtuin levels drop. Um, Excuse me, as mammals, we have seven uh, sirtuins. They're located in various aspects of the cell. Uh, if, when you, if you want to go back to the mitochondria, your sirtuin three is huge in your mitochondria and that gets downregulated, down-regulated over time and we want to upregulate that. Sirtuin so one has to do with circadian rhythms. It has to do with energy levels. It has to do with if you store brown fat or white fat. It has to do with a variety of things. So anything that you think that is failing over time is frequently sort of organized by your sirtuins. So augmenting them is extraordinarily important. Um, and as, as, a, as a side note, people love to say, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna augment my sirtuins and they go into the resveratrol camp. The key of course is that nicotinamide is a necessary coenzyme to make sirtuins work. So if you're deficient, you can't boost your sirtuins without having both resveratrol or pterostilbene for that matter, uh, in addition to a nicotinamide supplement. So that's your sirtuins. Um, Your AMP kinase pathway is absolutely amazing. So this is your major metabolic switch. Uh, It monitors how much energy you have and it tells your cells you're either running on full and you go full speed ahead or you're running on empty and it's time to slow down and sort of go into a pseudo state of hibernation. So by activating your AMP kinase, it's telling your body uh, to turn on your longevity processes. And this is really, really amazing. And this is one of the huge reasons that caloric restriction diets work because your body perceives that your energy levels are low and everything gets triggered to conserve your cells. You break down fat, you use other sources of energy and you really do activate all of the things that encourage longevity. Um, so AMP is just amazing. Um, I personally am not good at starving. I wish I were, I can't do it. People tell me, oh, I haven't eaten for three days. Like I can't make it a few hours. I'm terrible. However, the good news is for people like me, there are AMP kinase activators that sort of tell your body that you're starving, even if you're not. So that, that's kind of useful.
0: And and what would those be? I mean, I've heard of people taking metformin for that reason, is that correct? Or?
1: Right, so metformin is the big one. Um, I think metformin is fantastic if you can tolerate it. I think sometimes people take a little bit too much uh, interestingly enough, metformin is a partial mTOR inhibitor, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but in general, yes, metformin is actually fantastic. Um, men that are still in the reproductive age should not be taking metformin, however, because a study just came out demonstrating that there's increased birth defects, right? I saw that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but usually by the time we get to longevity and we get to metformin, men are usually past the age of reproduction, and so it's not, not a huge deal, uh, for folks that want to go a more natural route, uh, berberine is mm. completely acceptable, In fact, studies have shown that using them in conjunction at lower doses is probably the best way to do it um, overall, right? So maybe 500 of berberine during the day, 500 of metformin at night, and and you're golden. So that is a significantly effective way of of increasing your AMP kinase. So then on to mTOR. mTOR is so controversial. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you brought this up. So mTOR, of course, is the pathway of youth. So when you are growing your cells, building your body and all of those things, it is going full speed ahead. And it does the opposite of the MP kinase, right? When it measures, when it measures your energy system, it just goes, ah, oh, fantastic. We've got a ton of energy. Let's build everything. Uh, unfortunately, over the course of time, this mTOR pathway causes cells to try to grow that really can't do it anymore. And it, and it leads to a variety of different pathological situations. So true longevity, people are like, okay, you have to completely and utterly turn it off. Um, I think that's a little draconian. The problem is that if you completely turn off mTOR, two things suffer. Uh, Number one, you become sarcopenic. uh, Mm -hmm. And number two, you lose hippocampal plasticity, your hippocampus cells turn over a lot, that's how we make memories. And if you turn off mTOR, you're not going to make memories anymore. And I always think that, you know, it'd be a shame to live forever with having no recollection of it. Mm -hmm. So I like to think that partial timed inhibition of mTOR is helpful, but certainly not complete inhibition. Okay. Um, it, it's also sort of tricky if you're athletic because you don't want to be sarcopenic. You want your muscle mass. Yeah. Um, so for younger people that want to sort of play the mTOR while you're sleeping. So it's a complete game.
0: So kind of what I do, and, and I, I think you alluded to this, but um, so on the days I work out, which is probably four maybe five days out of the week. Um, I'm activating mTOR. So I'm really maximizing my protein intake. I'm, I'm exercising. I mean, I'm not worried about being calorie deficient. And then on the days I'm not, I'm trying to do some intermittent fasting to activate that, um, the AMP kinase. So I feel like I try to get a good balance because as you mentioned, I mean, I, I don't want to, age and get sarcopenic. I mean, I want to have muscle mass and I feel like muscle mass is also important for aging. I mean, do you feel like that's a good approach? Kind of finding that balance?
1: It is, it is absolutely a balance and it's absolutely based on who you are and what you're trying to achieve. Right. Um, I don't know how old you are, but you're probably not well, you look younger than I am. (laughs) I'll I'll say that. Um, but if if you're, you know, reasonably young and you're athletic, you don't want to turn off your mTOR. You do need that balance. Right. And if you do tend to be a muscly kind of person, you you need it. You absolutely need it. Right. I'm not a huge believer in all of the amino acids. I have my own amino acid scam thing going. I take very particular ones at very particular times. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, but we're moderately young. If you get to be 90, um, It may be a completely different story. At that point, you may be in like absolute emergency mode and you want to turn off all possible mTOR. So it just sort of depends who you are, what you want to achieve, uh, et cetera. But it's a very personalized decision.
0: Okay. All right. Well, next you have quality control. So you talk about DNA and protein repair mechanisms. You talk about autophagy in there. So kind of explain that a little bit.
1: Okay. So uh, what we haven't mentioned is I like to think of your cells as little factories. And so I have a factory model going through the book to sort of help non-scientist folks sort of understand all this. And, and, and this is what I call uh, checking your widgets, right? If our factory were to make widgets, we all know that there's something pieces that are going to come out that aren't really going to work very well. And someone has to check that. In fact, I always joke, a friend of mine, uh, when she was a kid worked at the English muffin factory and her job was to like Find the burnt ones and chuck them. So this is essentially that system, right? In terms of your DNA, which is probably a little bit more important than your proteins. I guess that's arguable, but I think it is. Um, you, every cell, every day, has ten to the fifth DNA errors. That's a ton of errors. Um, some are single stranded, uh, some are double stranded, some are you know where it melts together. A whole lot of you know there's a variety of errors, but there's a ton of errors, ten to the fifth. Um, And as you get older, the ability to fix these things diminishes. You have four very specific mechanisms for fixing these things. And they just, they just go away with time. Um, It's also a matter of what you do to your body. Um, It's a balance between how much you destroy your DNA and then how much can you fix it? I had this conversation with my daughter today. We live in Miami. People are in the sun a ton. So even if you are young, the sun is causing just horrific amounts of DNA damage in your skin. You can repair some of it, but you can't repair all of it in a timely fashion. So one of the cool things is there are actually two agents on the market that increase the speed of DNA repair. And I just think it's remarkable that you can do this.
0: And and what are those?
1: So there's something called AC-11 uh, that comes from the tropics. And there's another one um, called polypodium. Uh, It's sold as fern block. Again, it comes from the tropics, probably because there's a lot of UV radiation, uh, it's an oral supplement, and in fact, it does increase the speed of DNA repair in skin, especially, but probably throughout the body as well.
0: Hmm. So, are these like peptides or whatever? No, they?
1: no, these are they're, they're actually products. both plants, and they just have chemicals in them, molecules okay. in them that that activate this.
0: Okay, interesting. Kind of
1: cool. Um, we're gonna skip over protein repair mechanisms because chaperones and all this sort of stuff is it's it's. Pretty complicated, but we're going to get to autophagy, and this is cellular recycling, right? This is when your when your body screw or your cell screws up an organelle or a protein or this into that. Your body goes, yeah, that's not good. Recycles it. Takes takes out the pieces and parts and uses them again. And th- you must have a robust recycling system as you get older, or your cells just sort of fail to work. Um, so if you recycle mitochondria, it's called mitophagy, but the generic term is. Um, it. right? Okay. So the thing that we want to you for this is actually called spermidine. Spermidine is the best way to sort of tackle this problem.
0: I actually just interviewed somebody who hadn't been released yet on spermidine. And matter of fact, I think uh, she is the it's the company that you're the medical director of. I didn't even Leslie
1: Kenny. Yes, yes. that's who it
0: was. Yes. Yeah. And I, I didn't even realize the connection when I set all this up. But um, yeah, so uh, she talked about their product in in spermidine. And so, yeah, it was very interesting. And so uh, for people listening, um, that'll be released here. I don't know, probably in a couple of weeks. So you'll get to learn all about spermidine.
1: Good. So I I won't bore you with all of those things, Uh, but there are a few things out there that increase autophagy and that's probably the winner.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool. Now I I know at least when I think of autophagy, I think of fasting. Uh, How does um, fasting compare to maybe a supplement like spermidine?
1: So it depends on how determined you are to fast. Essentially, one of the triggers for recycling is your body says, oh, my goodness, I am out of nutrients. I need to find them somewhere, right? Or I am, I am out of spare parts. I, I like to think of it as a bank account, right? If you have a ton of money in your bank account and your car's breaking down, you're, you're going to go buy a new car, right? But if, if, if there's not a whole lot in your bank account, you're going to take your old car, strip it down, rearrange it, and make a new car. Right, that's autophagy. So this is what your body does. So by activating AMP kinase with caloric restriction, you're also activating your autophagy mechanisms, which again goes back to yes, these people that starve themselves are amazing. They do really, really well. I prefer to pop a few pills because it's just significantly easier. But I am, I am lazy and not a good example.
0: Uh, so with you researching all this, I mean, I'm, I'm sure even though you may not do prolonged fasting yourself, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it. So. Is there an optimal uh, amount of time to fast to really maximize the autophagy?
1: No, I don't actually think so. Um, It's so funny. People have these diaries and then they, they text me all the time. Oh, I made it 22 hours. I made it 27 hours. I think whatever is comfortable for people. I think most people do about 14 to 16 hours. And again, it depends on who you are. It depends on your fat stores. It depends on, you know, your metabolic status. There's just so many variables, but I think on generally the average is 14 to 16. I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure you do something like outrageously amazing. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I, I do a couple of days on the days I don't work out. I mean, I'll probably fast 16 hours and then I don't do it every week, but sometimes one day a week I'll go about 22 hours. Um, That's about as long as I go. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lean. And so I don't have a lot of storage there. So I feel like my body needs nutrients. Now I do have a friend who has gone has done a five day, just water fast only and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe one day I'll try but we'll see. <laughs> um, Good luck. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, next is our immune system. Obviously, that's important as we age and, and I'm sure, you know, declines as we age. Uh, how do we maximize our, our immune system or optimize it?
1: Right. So it, what's interesting about your immune system is, is it is fantastic as we are young. Right. We all fight off infection. It's just, it, you know, assuming you're not immunosuppressed or compromised in any way. It is just an amazing, complex system. As we get older, of course, it turns against you. And not only do you get chronic infections, uh, inability to respond to vaccines, uh, you become completely, um, you become inflamed sort of systemically. So these cytokines that are supposed to protect you get released sort of systemically and you just get put in a chronic state of inflammation thanks to your out uh, of whack immune system. And then the other thing that happens is the cells that are supposed to protect you are more likely to become cancerous. So you get a high risk of lymphomas and leukemias which is unfortunate. So in this category, there are certain agents that will boost your immune system. And there are certain agents that will decrease uh, the uh, inflammatory issues.
0: And, and so are there, are there things we can take? And I know just with a general healthy lifestyle, obviously there's a lot of overlap, I'm sure with all of these things. Um, But, you know, specifically for the immune system, are there things we can take or things we can do to just boost our immune system?
1: Uh, there's certainly things that you can take uh, and it, it, different things hit different aspects of your immune system. Um, for example, well, one of my favorites is actually uh, reishi. It's a mushroom. Mm. Um, it absolutely boosts most of the aspects of your immune system. So I'm a huge firm believer in that one. And then it does a, a few other things uh, that are pretty cool as well. Um, so if anyone has asked me specific things in this category, you want reishi and then you want something called lactoferrin. And lactoferrin is incredibly cool because it is a molecule that comes from uh, breast milk. Uh, Therefore, it's also in cow's milk. The highest amount is actually in camel milk. Um, And what it does, it's part of the inflammatory process. So if you were to measure your levels and they were high, someone would say that, oh my gosh, you're horribly inflamed. But the cool thing about taking the the, the molecule as a supplement is that it actually turns off your immune system. So it's kind of like the lever that says, okay, we're, we're done being inflamed. It's it's time to go away and make all of these cells disappear. So when you take it endogenously, it is actually an immune suppressant, so which is amazing.
0: Would be good for people with autoimmune disease. I'm, I'm Theoretically,
1: abs- yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. any of the itises, right? Any of the inflammatory states. And I would argue that with age, we're all inflamed. So mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic molecule. And the other really cool thing about it Um, If you look at it on a molecular level, it looks like a barbell. Uh, It has two sort of globular masses uh, with this little chain in between it. Some people say bow tie. I like to think of it as a barbell. Um, And it has two pockets, one on each side. And of course they carry iron, which is why it's lactoferrin. Um, But they also carry AGEs, which is another one of my pet peeves, which we'll get to because it's uh, item seven. Um, But by taking exogenous lactoferrin, not only are you helping your immune system, but you're clearing out uh, the AGE process. So I think that's kind of cool. But those are, those are the two winners in, in that category. Uh, and then actually, that's not completely true. To really sort of take care of inflammatory issues, I think that one of the other really amazing ones is uh, curcumin.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, most people have probably heard of that. Um, so you didn't mention vitamin D. Um, I feel like vitamin D is very important in the immune system. Um, you probably don't have near as much problem in Miami as we do here. Um, I check a lot of that and I feel like just about everybody is vitamin D deficient. Um, do you is that something that you recommend as it pertains to the immune system?
1: So so what's interesting is I deal with longevity. I don't deal with general health, right? Mm. If you are deficient in anything it's going to be detrimental to your health, right? But taking excess amounts of D isn't necessarily going to help you in any other category. So therefore, it's not part of a longevity protocol. Hmm. It's certainly important to augment your levels and get them to a reasonably high normal level. Hmm. Um, But it's not necessarily considered a molecule of longevity because it
0: doesn't do anything else. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So next you talk about individual cells. And so talk about, I guess, the importance of of that or what, what is that?
1: Right. So in every other category, I kind of pretend like all cells are exactly the same, but clearly they're not right. Um, so there's some cells we want to keep some cells we want to get rid of, and then we have to recognize that the cells in our bodies have different requirements. So cells that we want to get rid of, of course, are the senescent cells. Cells that we really want to treat with TLC would be our stem cells. And then, of course, we have to recognize that like a red cell has a different requirement than a liver cell versus a brain cell. So there are things that you absolutely must do to cater to each of these populations. And that's what falls into this category.
0: Any and and we're going to get to, you know, more supplements and stuff, but, but any um, thing in particular we can do, I mean, that you recommend specifically for this category just to help with the the longevity?
1: Well, so senescent cells are sort of a hot topic these days, and it is absolutely imperative to clear out senescent cells. Um, Some people call these zombie cells. I call them grumpy old man cells. Um, They are normal cells that underwent uh, some sort of DNA damage, and they did not die or become apoptotic. They turned into these grumpy cells. The morphology changes. They get kind of fat. The organelles change, and they exude something called the SASP, Uh, which is a secretory uh, sort of complement of inflammatory cytokines. They tend to accrue in areas of damage. So if you've had chemotherapy or you've had radiation or you've had some sort of traumatic uh, injuries someplace, you tend to get an accumulation of senescent cells. Um, and then there's the, if you have one or two senescent cells, it sort of exudes the cytokine in pool, and then you get more of them and more of them and more of them in sort of a downward spiral. So studies have demonstrated that if you can clear out these senescent cells, you tend to do significantly better in terms of longevity. Okay. The question then, of course, is how do you do that? And right. that is a raging battle right now. The strongest things that you can do is a combination of Denacetab, And all of my friends always make fun of me because I always say it incorrectly, but I think it looks like denacitab. Uh, It's actually a chemotherapy agent um, used for CML, but studies have demonstrated that two days of dinacetab with high dose quercetin can actually clean out certain aspects of your senescent cells. Hmm. Um, fisetin is another one that can do it. So I recommend bolus therapies of, of one of those two. And sometimes I do both. Um, uh, and then there's, uh, a new finding that just came out a little while ago, uh, that there's some aspects in ginger that can get rid of some senescent cells. So many ways to skin a cat.
0: All right. Uh, and so lastly, you talk about waste management in ages or, um, advanced glycation in products. So talk about what those are and maybe, you know, what, what things we can avoid, I guess, to, you know, as, as it applies to those.
1: Sure. So this is my favorite acronym of all time, right? Because the last thing you want are AGEs. Um, As you said, they're advanced glycation end products. And what happens is that glucose, I tell people it's sticky on the outside, it's sticky on the inside, Uh, sticks to proteins, sticks to lipids, and it sticks to DNA. It changes the structure of those things. So basically it puts them out of commission so that they cannot work. Um, it's a non-enzymatic seven step process to create a full AGE. And once you have one of these things, uh, they're pretty bad because number one, they're sticky. So they stick to long lived, uh, components of your body. They love collagen. They stick to very specific areas of your collagen and it tends to sort of pull them apart and destroy it. Uh, they, they tend to be very inflammatory, Uh, so that's, you know, not, not helpful in an already inflamed system. Um, and then they, they also sort of activate these things called rages where the receptor for AGEs on cells. So the more AGEs you have, the more rages you have half of the time, uh, that means that the, uh, the cell is going to take in an AGE and destroy it, uh, half the time it means that you're just going to have more of an inflammatory process going on. So what we want to try to do is decrease these AGEs as much as humanly possible. Um, And you can do this many, many, many ways. The easiest thing to do is to decrease your intake of glucose and the related sugars. And some people are just amazingly good at this. And again, I I take my hat off to people that can limit their diet. There are certainly cheat methods of doing this. There are ways to block glucose getting into your gut. There's ways to block it around the system. There's ways to get rid of AGEs. Uh, There are innumerable sort of ways to attack this. And I think this is one of the biggest problems with aging it like right here. So I dump a ton of energy into this category.
0: Yeah. My listeners uh, are very familiar with, you know, sugars and, and, you know, that kind of thing. What else other than the processed carbohydrates and all that? I mean, what are some other things that, that are maybe common things that we do that, that may increase ages?
1: So different cooking mechanisms actually increase the amount of oral AGEs that you take in. Um, anything that's browned, uh, sautéed, fast cooking that changes the color of something generally is, is totally laden with AGEs. Foods that are cooked more slowly, uh, broiled, um, steamed, that sort of thing, there tend to be less AGEs in them. And those are just the ones that you consume sure, um, sure. in terms of creating them in your bodies. What happens is not only glucose but oxidative stress sort of combine to create the perfect environment for these things. So if we if you reduce your oxidative stress and you reduce your glucose intake, then your AGE production
0: decreases. Gotcha. Well, let's jump on to part two, which is um, you know, you've already touched on a lot of the supplements and stuff, but it's it's what to take. You know, you can get overwhelmed with supplements. Obviously, there's a lot out there, and then a lot of them are good. Most people aren't gonna take. 12 or 20 supplements. Again, you mentioned some. If if you had to pick, I don't know, top five supplements for people to take, um, what would you what would you say?
1: It's so funny that you said top five because everyone says top five, right? Oh which, right. Okay. No, no, of course, it's really funny. So which which led to something that I called a panacea. Okay. Um, and in and, and the beginning of it kind of works as an acronym and then it sort of falls apart at the end. Um, but what I try to do. Is, is let me backtrack a little bit here. Um, I absolutely concur that it's very confusing and overwhelming all of the supplements that are out there. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So part of my process in this was to develop a rating system that tells you exactly what these things do and how well they do them in each of the seven categories, right? So for any agent at all, if you look it up in uh, the book, Uh, And book two is going to be out very shortly with uh, 28 more agents in it. They will all have a seven digit number. And the idea is whatever you choose to take, line the numbers up, add them together, and it'll tell you how well you're doing in each of the longevity categories. Right. Hmm. So that you don't need 17 free radical scavengers and nothing, say, in category five. You need to sort of make sure that all the categories are covered to decelerate aging as sort of as effectively as possible. So that's sort of like I've tried to protocolize it. Okay. Um, but to answer your question about top five, um, I think the, the first thing you need is a sirtuin activator. And this is either pterostilbene or resveratrol. They're both very, very good. Of course, more research is done on resveratrol than pterostilbene, but the bioavailability is not as good. Um, so I like pterostilbene. There was however, one study that suggested that if you had increased lipids, lipids, it was not a, a good thing for you to take. So for most people um, with high lipids, resveratrol is the way to go, make sure it's bioavailable. That being said, panacea starts with P, so it's, it's pterostilbene, okay. one, one or the other.
0: Okay.
1: Um, panacea is PA. A is astaxanthin um, because it is completely harm-free. It is an unbelievable free radical scavenger, increases your endogenous antioxidants, and it's an anti-inflammatory. People love astaxanthin, just love it. Um, N is nicotinamide. Uh, We talked about that in the mitochondrial category. Everyone by 40 is deficient. So not only does it help your electron transport chain, it helps uh, the sirtuin coenzyme. It helps to repair your DNA, and it also serves as a communication mechanism between your nucleus and your mitochondria. So if you are deficient, your cell is just not going to function very well at all. Um, Anyway, that's the N, -N. P-A-N. Now the system completely and utterly falls apart because now we've got two Cs. So the first one is curcumin. It is in there because it is the strongest anti-inflammatory we have. It is a positive epigenetic regulator, right? And we talked about that at the beginning. And it's one of the few things demonstrated to decrease the accumulation of lipofusion in long-lived cells. And lipofusion is an accumulation of sort of like the leftover crap in the back of your cell after going, undergoing autophagy. So we need to sort of limit that. Okay. Um, and then the last C is carnosine. Uh, carnosine is a dipeptide. It is naturally occur- occurring in your body. Unfortunately, as you get older, you have less uh, and men have more than women. So as an older woman, I'm truly deficient. Uh, The cool thing about carnosine is it is a transglycosylator. So it can actually help get rid of some of the glucose that gets deposited on your cells and tissues. So that's kind of cool. Uh, The other thing that's really cool about it is if you are an athlete, it actually uh, blocks lactic acid development in your, in your muscles. So you don't tend to ever get cramps or sore muscles when you're done, uh, which I think is fantastic because I tend to be a little bit old. Um, I'm a monster rock climber, and I never, ever hurt anywhere mm. because of carnosine, which
0: is kind of cool. So um, I eat a lot of beef, uh, and I know beef, I believe, has a lot of carnosine in it. So uh, for somebody like myself who maybe eats a lot of red meat, would they still need to supplement with carnosine?
1: So carnosine is actually more found in like turkey uh, and and not as much in beef. Okay. Um, You probably don't need as much as I would, uh, but a little bit certainly couldn't hurt. Uh, The other thing that's really cool about carnosine is it comes in eye drops. And glycosylation is one of the reasons you develop presbyopia, which is the inability to see close uh, Mm -hmm. as you get older. So carnosine eye drops can actually prevent and even reverse some aspects of that. So I'm always dumping carnosine eye drops into my eyes. And as a consequence, I don't need reading glasses.
0: Wow. Interesting. I may try that because uh, I have to have them and I hate it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I started to, and I discovered this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic.
0: Interesting. Um, Where do you yeah. find that?
1: So it's online. It? Um, they sell it for dogs, for cataracts, which is, I find amusing. Uh, yeah. There is one brand called Ephiseal uh, that I think is better than the others. Cause I've tried the others and they burn when you put them in. I mean, it's, it's sort of a little bit. Painful, and it just makes you not want to do it. But I don't know. I think they put more buffer probably in the in the EffaCeal brand, and it's completely comfortable.
0: Okay, interesting. So I want to ask you about your daily regimen, um, because you obviously study this stuff, and and you're a rock climber, and you said you not reversed aging, but maybe slowed it down to where you can keep doing what you're doing. Most people aren't rock climbers, so you're probably more athletic than than most. But uh, tell us about your daily regimen now that, that you know all this stuff as far as what your diet looks like, uh, exercise patterns, you know, things like that?
1: All right, so this is gonna be one of those questions that you absolutely are gonna regret asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you really are, because it's really funny, you're not gonna like the answer. Um, so I am obsessed with biochemistry as you probably figured out by now. I take 52 different agents a day wow. for very, very specific reasons. I don't ever, ever take the recommended dose. I take a subfraction of the recommended dose because they're synergistic. Like okay. you don't, right? So I basically try to, it's like having a well-balanced diet in my, in my world, right? Okay. A little bit of everything, but I take a lot of it. Most of them are over the counter. I take five prescription medications, despite the fact that I don't have any medical problems, but I do it for very specific reasons. Uh, as a doctor, you'll appreciate this. Hydralazine, which of course is an emergency uh, medicine that lowers your blood pressure, is one of the best transglycosylating agents there is. So it took a while to get to where I am to take as much as I can, but it's it's just tremendous in terms of stripping glucose. ACE inhibitors, uh, lisinopril, captopril, et cetera, are fantastic AGE blockers. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I take an aldose reductase inhibitor, right? So glucose is as bad as it is in terms of uh, uh, creating AGEs is not as bad as fructose or sorbitol. Um, And aldose reductase takes glucose and turns it into those products. So if you block that, uh, you're gonna get more glucose in your body, but you're going to have less effects of fructose and sorbitol. So that's one of my cheaty mechanisms. I I take a few other goofy things. People think I'm a nut, but I take everything at very low homeostatic doses. I exercise every day, unless I'm on call all night and then I sort of crump. I'm a big swimmer, I I lift weights and of course I rock climb. I used to be a runner, I sort of given that up over time. Um, But here's the thing that you're gonna regret asking me because I'm a junk food junkie. I like to think that I have uh, sort of been able to metabolically overcome my eating problems.
0: So so you found a way to kind of biohack your eating habits with all these medications and supplements. Is that fair? Uh,
1: Essentially. Yes. Like I I eat a ton of glucose, but I block its absorption. Uh, I block its breakdown. I block gluconeogenesis. Uh, I increase potassium or glucose secretion. You know, it's ridiculous. I've got seven different ways of blocking AGEs. You'll like this one. This is kind of cool. There are three amino acids that glucose preferentially sticks to. Um, and if you take supplemental amino acids, when you eat sugar, it's going to stick to them. And then you excrete the glucose stuck before it actually gets to any of your other bodily tissues. So it's interesting. So, um, arginine does it, cysteine does it, and lysine does it. Hmm. So I call it uh, my amino acid decoy system.
0: It, do you take those all together? Or how do you, how do you take that?
1: So, okay. So this does get a little bit more scientific. Uh, you want to take, I so I, it's divided into three batches. Because most drugs, uh, the half-life is somewhere between three to six, even eight hours, right? So you don't want to take everything at one time because it's all of the effects are going to go away after six hours. And then you've got the rest of the, you know, the 18 hours of your day unprotected. So I divide them in piles. um, And then anything that is fat soluble, you need to take with food. So that sort of goes on the lunch pile. Uh, And then I've got the water solubles in the morning and at night.
0: If somebody asks you, which I'm sure they do uh, with you know, just what oh. you study, all um, the time. Uh, you know, Hey, what, what should I eat? You know, uh, obviously you, you do all this and take these medications to counteract the glucose. I mean, most people aren't going to do that. So um, if they say, Hey, Dr. Kaufman, I mean, I, I want to live as long as I can. I want to, you know, increase my health span. What's the best way to eat? Maybe. And, and you already mentioned maybe the the handful of supplements they could take. And obviously exercise goes without saying, but, but what do you, what kind of advice do you give them?
1: So I honestly tell them that a balanced diet is crucial. Okay. I think that any particular diets are very limited in different, for different reasons. People that are vegetarians are missing very specific things. Vegans are very much deficient in a variety of things. You know, the keto diet is good on a short-term basis, but it's certainly not good on a long-term basis. I think that your cells need a little bit of everything. Right? A little bit of meat, protein, you need everything, but you also don't need it in in you know huge quantity. So straight up diet, you add a multivitamin. Everyone should be on a multivitamin. I recommend prenatals because uh, if you're gonna make a baby, you want the same nutrients going into the rest of your cells. So eat regularly, prenatal vitamin, nothing to excess, exercise daily, and then whatever you're not doing, you need to supplement.
0: Okay. What about? Uh, things in the works? You said you're uh, coming out with a, uh, another book. Um, are there some things that are coming out that you're excited about as, as it pertains to longevity?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I've discovered a whole lot of new things. I am particularly excited now about DNA structure prevention or, or protection, right? Interestingly, your DNA, not only does it have epigenetic mechanisms, but it tends to fall apart over time. Um, and so there's very specific things that sort of control the structure or protect your DNA. For example, magnesium controls the four-dimensional structure of your DNA. I just think that's amazingly cool. So people take magnesium for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, see this is, this falls into like sort of better than the vitamin D category because having deficient magnesium is very bad for you, Mm -hmm. but having a, a more magnesium is extremely beneficial in many areas of longevity. Clearly too much and you'll be a floppy fish. Um, but high levels of magnesium protect your DNA structure. I, I just think that's fantastic. Um, additionally, if you take magnesium threonate, it gets to your blood brain barrier and it increases your neuroplasticity. So that is incredibly cool. This is something that we need. Hmm. Um, another thing that I'm amazingly uh, impressed with is the discovery of something called the mitochondrial transition pore. And there's a pore that sits on the inner membrane of your mitochondria. And it's like a little pop off valve for chemical pressure. It just flickers, open, closed, open, closed, open, closed. And it allows the mitochondria to sort of decompensate a little bit without, so it doesn't explode under like sort of high chemical stress. Um, As you get older, these pores are open for a longer period of time. And as a consequence, your mitochondria don't function as well. Um, and enough of these open over a longer period of time, and the entire mitochondrial basically explodes, pours out all the cytokinins and the toxicity from the mitochondria into the rest of the cell, and then you get cell death. And if you can control the mitochondrial pore opening, it's actually demonstrated to be able to block cell death and thus block um, heart damage if you're in the middle of an MI. Um, And there's really cool things, and, and you can actually control, to a certain degree, the, the, the flickering or the mitochondrial pore opening and spermidine is actually one of the things that does that. So theoretically it hasn't been proven yet, but theoretically, if you are on spermidine and you're having a heart attack, you're going to do way better because of the pore control.
0: So I imagine spermidine is one of the 50 supplements that you take.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. That, that Leslie sends it to me. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. oh. And the other really cool thing is spermidine. And, you know, I won't bore you, but this is just so cool. It is a long, positively ch- uh, charged molecule. It's a polyamine. And what it does actually is it bonds to DNA. DNA is a negatively charged structure. Uh, there's a minor groove and a major groove. And this long polyamine actually sort of wraps itself around the DNA and protects it. So I like to th- think of it as sort of like, bubble wrapping your DNA and sperminine. And it doesn't change the structure. It's not an epigenetic modifier. It just protects it from exogenous insults like, like radiation or chemical damage or that sort of thing. So then this goes back to DNA structure protection. Spermidine is just amazing for so many reasons. And, and that's one of them.
0: Very okay. good. Uh, I know we're running out of time here, but I want to ask you quickly about um, hormones and, and thinking more in older men and women, hormone replacement therapy. I mean, I uh, advocate a lot for um, kind of hormone optimization especially when done correctly what do you find in that is as far as how that relates to uh, longevity and health span
1: so good good question and this is very age dependent so I, I think hormones are cellular products and all of our cells are, are little factories and they make cell products and that's just one of them um, if you can keep your cells maximized or optimized as long as humanly possible by doing all of these crazy things, you theoretically do not need to replace anything, right? I am 53, almost 54, I am nowhere near menopause. I don't, I don't do polypeptides, I don't do, I don't do squat. And the only way I get away with that is my cells are optimized. Um, at some point, cells are not going to be optimized anymore. So for example, if a, if a woman comes in, you know, they're mid fifties, early sixties, I try optimizing their cells for like six to nine months. Um, It is not uncommon that we can reverse some of the loss. But if you can't reverse the loss, then without a doubt, then it's time to replace what they can't do right? Then it's time for the estrogens, the progesterones and the testosterone and all of that sort of thing. But I fear that people are replacing it too early because of course they're on a negative feedback loop. So if you take estrogen and you don't need it yet, you're going to sort of tell your body, oh yeah, I don't need to make any because I already have it, right? So my goal is to optimize your cells, measure your levels. And if you need it, you need it. Obviously you're going to do it the right way, as you said, but if you don't need it, then don't use it yet. That's sort of my thought process.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um, one last question. I'm, I'm curious because a lot of times I find, especially in the primary care setting, I know you're in uh, anesthesia, anesthesia, but as we talk about health optimization and age management, many times that doesn't necessarily correlate with more conventional medicine and, and conventional recommendations, uh, you know, as they don't really talk much about supplementation and those kinds of things. So I'm just curious what kind of feedback you get your colleagues you know because you're still working full-time or if they are are interested in what you do or or just talk about that a minute
1: so so that's actually a very interesting question i will tell you that in public these people think i'm a lunatic Mm -hmm. um as you know physicians are trained by organ-based systems and there's no way in their mind that a kidney cell would be anything close to a liver cell versus a brain cell they think i am absolutely not so right and they, they make fun of me on a daily basis. That being said, each and every one of those have crept into my office on the sly, sat down, and we've made them a protocol. So they, they know that it's good for them, and they get it. And yet, publicly, it's still sort of taboo. Um, I think that ultimately, they're all going to realize that, yeah, this is, this is the way to go. Mm. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not replacing medicine. Mm, We're just sure. trying to optimize cells.
0: Yeah, I like it. Okay. Well, as we wrap up here, I always ask my guests if they could give us one health tip that could make us healthier today. I know you've given us a bunch already, but if you could just give us one health tip, what would you say to that?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I think I think that you need to. Here, here it is. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but you need to change your expectation of life. So I plan on being one hundred and twenty ish when I die and I plan on falling off a cliff because I made a stupid move. Um <laughs> As a consequence, I'm not going to retire when I'm 65 because what else am I going to do for 55 more years? Yeah, you you have to change your mindset to be able to accept the fact that you've got a ton of time, ton of interesting things that you can do and be interesting. Don't sit on your ass. I mean, longevity is just about time. It's about giving yourself health and time to enjoy life. So reset your clock and do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Climb a mountain. It's fun. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. I like it. Uh, so you have a website, kaufmanprotocol.com K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N Protocol. Is that the best way people can maybe yep. find your stuff and books and protocols and all that?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay.
0: And there's uh, uh, there's
1: an email on there and I answer all emails personally. I don't have a staff. So sometimes people get angry because they listen to a podcast and they email me and they immediately want an answer. And I'll tell people that I answer excuse me, all emails. It just takes me a bit of time.
0: Oh, wow. Well, good for you. Uh, and and on there, um, so you have certain protocols and I guess they can find those specific protocols, correct? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, very nice. Very interesting stuff. So again, the book is uh, The Kaufman Protocol, uh, Why We Age and How to Stop It. So check it out if you want to uh, go a lot deeper than uh, what we just did. We just touched the surface on all these. So um, Dr. Kaufman really appreciate your time and everything you're doing. It's just very interesting stuff.
1: Thank you. Pleasure all to right. be here.
0: All right, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to fit RX. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifeDC.com, or you can email me at Dr. Greg at vibrantlifedc.com.